It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only, call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And welcome into the Virtual Bible Study. This is the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, June, uh, September 9th, 2010. We're glad you're here. We hope that you'll stay tuned. My name is Jacob Gwynn. Hello, Dad. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Nice to be with you, Jacob. We're, we're again, frazzled. again frazzled. frazzled trying to deal with technical issues. We can't get our video stream out there. I think we're uh, having problems with Ustream tonight. It keeps dropping out, but our, video, our audio-only feed should be uh, working just fine. Uh, so if you're having any trouble with the video, Jeff is driving the video tonight. Jeff's going to be working frantically to try and keep it up. But if you'd rather not struggle with that, uh, you can just go to the audio-only feed that is at our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com or collegeview.com, and uh, you can listen to us there. The chat room will still be up. You can comment with other listeners in the chat room, even if you don't have video. Uh, but uh, we'll hopefully uh, be able to keep the video alive. But the audio-only feed, again, should be working without any problems. All right, uh, the, the topic of discussion tonight is one that uh, sort of uh, mirrors what's been in the news a lot lately. Well, Jacob, we decided uh, uh, when we were thinking of topics to discuss that it would be almost impossible to pass up a discussion of the all the things that have been in the news about the church or denominational group in Florida. Gainesville? Yeah, uh, Gainesville, Florida, planning a... a uh, some kind of a ceremony or some kind of a demonstration on Saturday this week, the, the anniversary of the 9-11 attacks on the World Trade Center in New York. And a fellow down there named Terry Jones, who's the pastor of a 50-member congregation known as Dove World Outreach Center in Gainesville, Florida, has announced that he is going to burn the Koran, at least one. I don't know, maybe he's going to get multiple copies, I'm not sure. But he was going to burn the Koran as uh, as a protest against the Muslims and what they're doing, especially their intention to build a mosque near the site of the World Trade Centers uh, where they were attacked in New York City, uh, often referred to as Ground Zero. Well, of course, he has just stirred a huge controversy, not only among the Muslims. The Muslims have reacted uh, about his plans, but also a number of our own Politicians and leaders have reacted. Uh, General David Petraeus, who is the U.S. commander in Afghanistan, said that this will be used to drum up anger toward U- the U.S. and potentially endanger our troops. Hillary Clinton said it was disgraceful. Uh, President Obama said that it's the the, the uh, planned ceremony should be canceled. Just uh, people all over the place have been talking about it. Talk radio has been full of information about it and discussion about it. So it seemed like that was a, a reasonable thing for us to discuss. However, Jacob, we want to go about it in a different way. All of the talk radio talk, everything in the news has been about the political implications of doing this or not doing it, burning the crayons or not burning the crayons. 
We want to talk about it from a biblical point of view. How, what should Christians think about this? How would God have us to act and react in situations like this, especially in regards to people that we have a difference with on important religious subjects? And so uh, that's our discussion for tonight. We want to talk about the, the Koran burning protest, but we want to look at it from from the perspective of how a Christian should view that. The number to call is 877-381-4567. The email address you use is questions at collegeview.com. What do you think? Do you think that is the correct thing to do? How should we deal with those whom we disagree with? 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. And we will remind you, if you're watching us from our video feed at ustream.tv, we're having some difficulties tonight, and I believe we've crashed again. So um, the servers at Ustream, I guess, got tired of our ugly faces, and they've just gone on strike. Uh, but uh, you can uh, catch our audio-only feed if you're listening to us live tonight. If you'll go to our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com, click on the audio-only feed. You sent some questions yeah. earlier today to our update list, also known as Greg's List. Yeah, this is what we put out earlier today to those who are on our update list. And if you'd like to be on our update list, you can you can do so by sending us an email and just say, add me to the list. Send your email to questions at collegeview.com. Say, add me to the list. Here's, here's what we sent out earlier today, and we've been getting significant response to this. I do think this is a, an important subject that people want to talk about. Question one, do you think that the group in Florida should proceed with their plans to burn the Koran? Why or why not? Now, sort of as a news update to that, late this afternoon... Yeah, John in the chat room is uh, alluding to that as well. Yeah, there, it was in the news late this afternoon that, uh, that this Terry Jones, who's with that group in Gainesville, Florida, says that a an imam has agreed to move the mosque off of Ground Zero in New York City if they won't burn the Korans in Gainesville, Florida. He said he was given that promise. Well, the complicator is that the guy, the the, the Islamic imam in New York City says he never said that. They're not moving the mosque. Mm-hmm. So now the guy in Florida is kind of uh, between a rock and a hard place because he's, he's announced he wasn't going to burn the, the Korans now. But but the but the imam he doesn't know the name of the imam who told him but somebody told him they would move the mosque and now they're not moving the mosque and so he's in a, he's in a tizzy down there in Florida he probably deserves any trouble that it he gets. It doesn't change the it doesn't change our discussion is not necessarily about that it's about how do we deal with the, those we disagree with so that, that whether he does it or he doesn't or if he jumps off a bridge whatever happens doesn't change our discussion. Yeah, and so basically the first question is, do you think that that's an appropriate thing, basically? Okay. Do you think that that's what should be done? Should why we do that? Should we burn the Torah? Should we burn the Book of Mormon? Yeah, should, should that sort of protest demonstration be done in the name of Christianity? Uh, number two, how would we and how should we react if someone planned an event to burn Bibles? Mm-hmm. You know, In other words, this, this was all stirred up because someone planned to burn the Quran. What if someone planned to burn the Bible, made a demonstration of it? How should, how are, should, are the Muslims correct in their outrage when somebody burns the would Quran? We, would we react and suggest you know violent reprisals okay. if someone burned Bibles? Okay. Number three, what should really be the correct view of what might be termed religious tolerance? Mm-hmm. We want to talk about religious tolerance a little bit in our program. And then finally... What examples from the New Testament might be helpful in teaching us how to deal with religious differences? That's our last and final question that we'll try to get to tonight. Again, our apologies for the fact that our video feed is not working. And so uh, 
and, and we think that that's a problem with the people who host that for us at Ustream. Uh, and so we apologize that that is an issue. Yep. Uh, uh, and if you click on that, I think what you're probably going to get. Oh, I see our pretty faces on the screen, Jeff. Well, I wouldn't go that far, but uh, we are on the air. It looks uh, like we've got our, our picture up. Jeff, is it working? Okay. Jeff is at the board. He's about to pull his hair out, but I think he's got our picture up. So if you are, uh, I'll put a note on uh, the chat room that uh, the video is up. All right, but you'd be, you'd be better off with the audio-only feed all the way around tonight, so you may just want to stick there. The number to call is 877-381-4567. We'd like to hear your thoughts. Surely you have some thoughts about this tonight, and the phone line is open. It's toll-free. You can let us know your thoughts. Should we be burning the Koran? What do we do if someone burns the Bible? Uh, how do we respond to these things? Or send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. We're looking forward to hearing from you. Let's talk about this first thing. Let's let's assume that this last bit of news had not come out yet, Jacob, that maybe the thing is canceled. Let's assume that this is earlier today when it was all still being planned. Okay. Do you think it's a, do you do you think it's the right thing to do? Should we do it should here? Should we do it? Maybe maybe we should organize a crime burning. If that guy in Florida's not going to do it, let's do it here. Okay. Should we do it? Okay. That's the question. All right. Uh, David in uh, Mayfield, Kentucky. Mayfield, Kentucky. David, good to hear from you. Uh, he says that when the gospel went to Ephesus, much good was accomplished, Luke tells us, and many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. Also, many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all, and they continued up, or they counted up the value of them, and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of God drew, grew mightily and prevailed. That's from Acts chapter 19, verses 18 through 20. Uh, he says, notice that a fruit of their repentance was the burning of certain books. Uh, they, these books had earthly value, but were filled with wickedness and practices contrary to the will of God. It was important, or I think it is important, to consider who burned the books. It was the very ones who had previously held dear to them. Uh, it was those whose hearts had been touched by the gospel. That is key. We may go out here and gather up copies of the Koran and burn them into a heap of ash and perhaps feel we've accomplished something great, but until the hearts of men and women are turned by the good news of Jesus Christ, not one soul will be saved. Why not seek to reason with those who are not practicing truth by teaching them truth? Then, if they be good soil, the doing away with their erroneous volumes will be something they'll want to do on their own. Good thoughts from David tonight. Appreciate those. Yeah. In other words, if we don't get some people to change their hearts, all the rest of this is just worthless talk anyway. Okay. All right. Uh, James in Columbia says, uh, no, this is simply a carnal weapon the group is trying to use to make a spiritual point. So James says uh, we uh, shouldn't do that, that they're just, uh, well, the guy's a media hound, it sounds like, to James. Well, you know, a lot of the commentators on the radio have suggested that very thing. In fact, I found a news story um, uh, concerning this same fella in Florida, if I can get it here. Uh, last year, I assume this was about a year ago, there was an election in Gainesville, Florida, and one of the fellows who was running for mayor, a guy named Craig Love, became a target of this same group, the Dove World Outreach, uh, and the, he, he's a homosexual and so they protested him running for office mm -hmm. and really made a, a name for themselves in the news down there. Again, I think, although I would agree with them that homosexuality is a sin, I think that their approach that time was also along the lines of trying to get publicity for their organization. Okay. So it seems to me that these people are very inclined to do that. This Dove World Outreach Center is inclined to 
just try to get their name in the news. You know, that's another question we could have asked. Should we go to extreme? Should we be outrageous and uh, extreme just to get our our message out? Is that what uh, God would want from us? Should we should we go to the extreme of uh, doing whatever it takes to get in the news so that we can have the opportunity to spread our message? You might comment on that, 877-381-4567 or questions at collegeu.com. Do you think the group in Florida should proceed with their plans to burn the Quran? Brian in Indiana says, from a purely secular point of view, I believe that by making a huge spectacle out of burning the Quran, our troops will be heightened and uh, be in heightened danger from Muslim fanatics in Iraq and Afghanistan. However, it is false doctrine, and burning it would not be out of line from a scriptural standpoint. He references the event in Acts chapter uh, 19 in Ephesus again, uh, where uh, the books were burned. But again, back to David's point. Those who burned the books were the ones who had actually owned them who had decided that they needed to be burned. You know, if we got a bunch of converted Muslims and they said, we're burning the Koran because we think it's false, it's not a true document, that'd be one thing. But it's another thing for those who, uh, such as this Dove World Outreach Center, to do that sort of thing. And so I, I would have to argue that that's the, um, really not what we need to be doing and i think i think the, that what james buchanan said and also what brian said is that uh, that's not a, an appropriate thing now one of the things that does concern me and brian mentions it in his in his email uh our troops will be in heightened danger well that's one of the things that's very troubling to me about this whole thing is that the muslims are known to have a reputation for violent aggressive uh reprisals against anybody who differs with them you know i don't think we if it was bibles being burned we wouldn't go out and start killing people and cutting their heads off or blowing up buildings or anything like that but that's what the muslims are known for doing and that does not seem to be the point of emphasis here Uh, and i think it should be i think it should be pointed out that that's what this religion is like and that's part of the problem with this false religion is the way that its adherents conduct themselves let's talk about that on the other side of the break because we need to get in the discussion are they correct for having that view, or should we, as people in the media say today, embrace everyone regardless of their religious persuasion? Should we say, I'm okay, you're okay? Or should we go to the extreme of the Muslims and killing those whom we disagree with? Or does the truth lie somewhere in the middle? We'll talk about real, that. Real quickly, we've got a, a, a chat from James who says, who points out what we've been saying. The, the Ephesians burned their own books after confessing Christ, not vice versa. Christians didn't go after the books of the pagans and burn those. All right. So I think that's, that, that is a distinction that needs to be made. All right. We're going to take a break, and uh, we'll continue the discussion on the other side. Get in now. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Don't touch that mouse. The Virtual Bible Study will be back right after this. Do you remember when elders, deacons, preachers, Bible class teachers, and all church members had a strong commitment to the Word? Do you recall when you could always count on book, chapter, and verse preaching from the pulpit? Can you think back to a time when Christians were known as people of the book because they knew their Bible so well? We're trying to be like a church you read about in the Bible, and we're still doing the same things that you remember from way back when. Are you longing for a return for the way things used to be? Come and visit. See for yourself at the College View Church of Christ. Hello, my name's Jeffrey Vernon. I'm 13, and this is the Virtual Bible Study. That was me five years ago. Now I'm 18, and I still love listening to the Virtual Bible Study. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. And we're back on the virtual Bible study tonight. Still probably having video uh, feed problems, although it does appear that it is working uh, temporarily. So if you're on the audio-only feed and you're just dying to see us, don't know why you would, but you can switch over to the video feed if you like. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. 
uh, com. Do you think that the group in Florida should proceed with their plans to burn the Koran? Uh, Chris uh, is in Atlanta, Georgia, and says, absolutely not. What message is it sending? It is sending the same message of hate that the radical Islamic terrorists send, not condoning the teachings of Islam, but uh, we are to be set apart and to show the love of Christ. So appreciate Chris for sending in his comments tonight. All right. And we've got some more here. We've got a lot of emails. People are are uh, very interested in this topic. Uh, I've got an email from Keith. Keith, yeah, Keith in Hendersonville, oh, I always forget he's That's in Hendersonville. Right. He said, no, I do not think it's wise for them to burn the Korans and that they should back down. It's just too insensitive. Uh, and, and we'll talk about the insensitivity of the thing and how Christians should deal with such differences as we get a little further into our discussion. All right, and uh, Mark Oranda uh, has in Murfreesboro. in Murfreesboro says, no, this violates the second greatest commandment, love your neighbor as yourself and the command to love your enemies, and also the so-called golden rule, whatever, whatsoever you would do to uh, men to do to you, do also to them, Matthew seven twelve. Although it has become a somewhat trite expression, what would Jesus do should be considered. What would Jesus do? Jesus is someone who died a horrible death at the hands of his own people and did not retaliate, although he could have, First Peter 2, verses 21 through 23. We are told to love our enemies, and Jesus exemplified this as no one else ever has. How is burning another religious group's holy book going to teach them the love of Christ and his salvation? It is not letting your light so shine that God may be glorified, Matthew 5, 16. It also runs the risk of inviting retaliation by some Muslims, and so innocent people will likely suffer as a result of this burning. How is that doing good to all men? Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. So we appreciate uh, those comments tonight. All right, we've got uh, Dan here in Columbia, Tennessee, says, as a Christian, should they burn the Koran? He says, as a Christian, I would say no, because doing so would not improve relations with Muslims that we as Christians could one day convert to Christianity. I know that Colossians 3.21 says, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. It's clearly talking about the relationship between fathers and their children. However, could not the same thing be stated between anyone we may meet in our daily lives? We should not provoke other people to anger, as it would cause them, or could cause them to be discouraged. However, as an American, I would say that they have the right to do so. The people that are in an uproar about burning the Koran are the same people that would applaud the burning of the U.S. flag. The U.S. Supreme Court ruled in 1989 that burning the U.S. flag is nothing more than expressive conduct, which the same right also protects Christians who say homosexuality is a sin. So I I do think that there's a political question, and we're not so much dealing with the political question as we're interested in the the moral, spiritual... Regardless of what the law says. I I think Dan's right. I mean... uh, we, I think there's there's constitutional protection. So a person who wants to burn a Koran or a flag, um, and you know that that is that's really not the point of our study. I think constitutionally, uh, you know, if we were going to argue it from a political point of view, we want to defend people. We we believe in the constitutional rights of, of citizens and and so forth. But would it be the appropriate thing for a Christian to do this is, is what we're really considering. All right, Anthony in Columbia says, no, even though religiously we oppose Islam, as we do other false erroneous religions, our goal is not to provoke or slander those who practice such. This Koran burning doesn't accomplish any Christian goal. It only provokes. Even though the Koran is a false doc- document, 
Burning a couple hundred copies of it does nothing to actually destroy the Koran, nor should we be seeking to literally destroy the writings of other religions. Jesus taught us to love our enemies and to treat others the way we'd want to be treated. Paul told us not to recompense evil for evil. He also instructed that rather than lash out at those who have harmed us, for example, 9-11 Muslim terrorists, we should do good to them and thereby heap coals on their heads. This publicity stunt is in direct opposition to the teachings of Jesus and his inspired apostles. Apostles. Should we resist Islam? Yes, we should teach against its errors, just as with other false religions. But we do not have authority to wage physical war against it, even though they are waging open war against us. All right. You know, uh, we should read the passage that uh, Anthony alluded to there in, in Romans chapter 12. I think it's very pertinent to our conduct uh, when we face people that are, are opposing us. Uh, Romans chapter 12, beginning verse 17, Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Well, notice... Yeah, I think this verse directly addresses what that group in Florida is doing. They're trying to recompense evil for evil. It was it was evil for the Muslims to blow up the World Trade Centers in New York. Therefore, we're going to do evil to them. We're going to burn their book. Uh, they are not as much. It says as much as po- as much as life in you live peacefully with all men. They are not. Sure. They are, and it says avenge not yourself. They're trying to avenge themselves. Yep. And so I think this passage is directly violated uh, by the actions of that group in Florida. All right. Uh, Don says, from a Christian standpoint, no, because they are doing it in the name of Jesus, and this is blasphemy. There were all kinds of religions when Jesus walked this earth, and during his time, Roman emperors uh, Augustus and then Tiberius were defiled by the people and worshipped as gods. Uh or deified, they were deified by the people and worshipped as gods. But there are no accounts in the Bible where Jesus directly attacked these other religions by making some kind of a public spectacle. Instead, he consecrated his effort, or uh, concentrated his efforts on the corruption within the Hebrew faith, which is what got him killed. If he had been attacking the religions of the Romans, then Pilate would not have said, "I find no fault in this man." You know, it's an interesting point. Jesus didn't go around and grab, uh, uh, you know, the. Uh, the uh, phylacteries of the Pharisees or uh, or the hems of their garments and burned them and the other uh, religious things that he was speaking against. Uh, he taught against it, but he did not take things into his own hands like this group is here. And then Jim in Mount Pleasant wants to throw water on our parade tonight. He says, as of early Thursday evening, this event has been canceled. So. Yeah, and we know that. We've heard that news report, too. But we're still saying that it is a worthy thing to discuss, and it certainly has been getting a lot of airplay uh, on various news channels and talk radio today, we want to talk about it from the religious point of view. I, uh, the, uh, Jacob, the chat room suggests that the stream is just choppy and breaking up. So okay. probably everybody is better off if you can to just get to the audio feed and and uh, we'll try to make improvements between now and next time. All right, 877-381-4567. Email questions at collegeview.com. And if you are at Ustream.tv, you can pull up the audio only feed, mute the Ustream if you like, and join in the chat room. We have a few other listeners out there. We have Kevin in Hot Springs, Arkansas, John in Edmond, Oklahoma. They're still uh, hanging tight in the chat room tonight if you and, want to. And, Jake, you might tell, them how, tell people who are listening how they can get to that chat room. 
Well, as of last check, I don't know that you can get to it very easily from our website. I've got an address that will get you there. Okay. It's kind of a contrived address, but it will get you there. Uh, www.ustream.tv. So it's ustream.tv slash channel-room. Mm-hmm. So ustream.tv slash channel-room slash Five one two one eight eight. Five one two one eight eight. There's an address that'll get you into the chat room. All right. If you got that, good. Uh, I don't know if anybody it. got that. All right. Uh, we're going to take a break, and we'll get this week's bullet point. On the other side of the bullet point, we'd love to hear from you. The phone line's open, toll free, or send us your emails. I think John has sent an email from Edmond, Oklahoma. You might want to check there during the break, and we'll hopefully take yours and get ready to go on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Someone wrote this, quote, We should desist the extolling proclivity and resist the conferment of eulogistic titles. Did you catch that? Someone get me a dictionary, please. It turns out that the author of those lines was writing about the problem of men wearing religious titles. In particular, he was condemning the use of the designation reverend. In deciding this matter, he said that the, quote, only sure guide that can elucidate it vividly to us will be the Bible. Let us scan and sift the scriptures scrupulously to evaluate. Well, as it turns out, I agree with his conclusions, I think. But I sure wish he would use simpler terms to state his case. There are already too many people who think that biblical topics are confusing and hard to understand. We don't need to use some sort of technical jargon that will only make matters worse. When Jesus preached, quote, the common people heard him gladly, Mark 12, verse 37. He was the master teacher and demonstrated incredible skill in making vital spiritual truths understandable and simple. His parables stand as classic examples of how to put the greatest themes into a format that everyone can comprehend. We should imitate him in our teaching efforts. Now, back to those eulogistic titles. The Bible is very clear on the matter. It only uses the title reverend once... And it is assigned to God himself. Notice Psalms 111, verse 9, quote, He sent redemption unto his people. He hath commanded his covenant forever. Holy and reverend is his name. That's pretty plain, isn't it? Men who attach this title to themselves are attempting to vainly elevate themselves in the eyes of other men. They should, as our original author said, quote, desist the extolling proclivity. In other words, they ought to quit doing that. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I am Nestor Sanchez from Arica, Chile in South America. And I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. And this moment, I invite you to participate in this program, too. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Colossians 3:17. Now, back to the program. And welcome back into the virtual Bible study tonight as we talk about the plans to burn the Muslim uh, holy book in Gainesville, Florida, the Koran. Uh, the plan was scheduled for... Friday, September 11th, and now through mysterious circumstances, that plan has been canceled. But we're still talking about it because it does bring up an important point. Is this the way we should react to those who we disagree with? And, you know, there are a lot of people who say, I'm okay, you're okay, doesn't matter what you practice religiously. Is that the correct approach? Should we take the other extreme approach where we strap dynamite to our chest and we blow up those who do not believe the way we do or we burn their holy books? Or is the truth somewhere in the middle? We're going to get to that question 
as we go on. We're looking forward to hearing from you on the program tonight. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Well, our second question, Jacob, had to do with how we would react if someone burned Bibles. Uh, what would be our reaction? As, as you suggested, I mean, their reaction is let's go out and commit violent reprisals. Uh, should should we do the same thing? How would we react? And several people have been coming about it. I got this email from John. finally got to John's email out of Oklahoma. He says, this may not pertain to your questions, but I had thought I wanted to share. But I had a thought I wanted to share. We have an example of book burning in the Bible as seen in the book of Acts. We already mentioned that in Ephesus, right? Right, right. We read, also many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all, and they counted the value of them, and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver, Acts 19.19. Here are two observations. One, this does not appear to have been commanded by the apostles. Two, it was a personal choice on the part of those converted. The modern equivalent today would be this. If you had a person or group of people who were converted from Islam and they chose to burn or destroy their copies of the Quran to keep it from becoming a stumbling block. With that said, the example in Florida is much different than the case seen in the Bible. The book burning in the Bible was for the good of the converted. It was not used as a show by those already opposed to the false doctrine. Thank I you, think John. you're exactly right, John. I think that's the perfect analysis of, the, of that situation in Acts 19. And, uh, and as you say, it is not parallel to what this man was planning in Florida. All right. Thank you, John, for your comments tonight. Uh, James in Columbia comments on the next question that you presented. How should we react if someone planned an event to burn Bibles? James says ignore them. It gives them unwarranted publicity. James says he'd ignore them. Brian in Indiana says Jesus didn't intend for us to violently defend our faith. He references Matthew 26, 51 and 52. I see nothing wrong with using a, the peaceful approach of public protest and inform, uh, informational picketing to express in a lawful way our disgust with a group that burned Bibles. But uh, Brian says that uh, Jesus didn't want us to be militant and uh, and to get physical. Um a passage that might tie in with that is Second Corinthians chapter 10, uh, verses 3 and 4. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And so this is a, what these people are planning is a carnal thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're not to use carnal means to promote the kingdom of God. Uh, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, it says. And I think that's an important principle for us to remember. Chris in Atlanta, Georgia says, if someone planned to burn Bibles, I would not react other than to pray for the group doing that. They are not rejecting me, but rejecting God. I would pray for them and look for an opportunity to study with them if that was an option I had available. So Chris brings up a good point to pray for them uh, and the good point that they're not rejecting us. They're rejecting someone that they'll have to give account to in the last day. All right. We've got Keith in Hendersonville who says, uh, uh, I hope my response would be to pray for them. And, of course, we're spo- isn't that what Jesus said uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, in the Beatitudes? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, uh, verse 11, Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heavens. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Uh, that's not the verse I'm thinking of. Um, uh, later in the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 5 of Matthew, verse 14. 
love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. So I think that Keith's uh, suggestion to pray for him would be appropriate to the instruction of Jesus. All right. Mark and Rhonda Hudson in uh, Murfreesboro reference Matthew 5, verse 39, which tells us to turn the other cheek when someone does evil to us. First Peter chapter 3, 9 through 13 says us to not, tells us to not return evil for evil and to seek peace and pursue it. First Peter 3, verse 15 through 16 says to be ready to give a f- defense of the hope with meekness and fear. Side note, this would seem to exclude such actions as burning another group's holy book. Although we were, uh, there would be nothing wrong with expressing our hope that Bibles would not be burned, we should react in such a way that shows the Bible in our, li- our own lives and conduct, regardless of what happens to that paper Bible. As the song, The World's Bible, goes, we're the only Bible the careless world will read. Dan in Columbia, Tennessee says, if someone wants to burn the Bible, then let him do so, as it proves absolutely nothing. As New Testament Christians, we should not place a material possession on an elevated status. Uh, Whereas Muslims do consider each Quran book a direct link from Muhammad, I would compare it to worshiping an idol. Christians don't need to get heated over this issue, as 1 Peter 1, verses 22 through 25 talks about the enduring word of God. Uh, Do we think so much of ourselves that man is able to change or abolish the word as it's as it says at the end of verse 25, the word of the Lord endures forever. Uh, I think Dan, Dan makes an interesting point there. You know, there, through the centuries, Jacob, there have been concerted efforts to to destroy all the Bibles in the world. The, those efforts fail because God made a promise in that text that Dan referenced there in First Peter chapter 1, uh, beginning verse 22, that the word of the Lord will uh, abide or endure forever. You, it's never been destroyed, though men have tried to do so. Good point. Uh, and if they want to burn a copy, that, that, that hasn't changed anything. All right. Uh, Anthony in Columbia says, well, we certainly would not react to some Muslims are saying they will in response to the Quran burning. A cleric in Afghanistan is on record saying it is the duty of Muslims to react, and that could mean killing Americans. As stated above, we do not pay evil with evil. We are not to seek revenge. We would we would be justified in expressing our sadness over a Bible burning, but our main focus should be compassion for the lost souls who would do such a thing. You know, I think it's important. Uh, I, I think that, that Anthony's observations are accurate. He earlier sent me today uh, a whole list of quotations from the Quran which teach such violence. The Quran teaches the adherence to Islam to react violently in that fashion. You know, there's a lot of controversy, and everybody says Islam is a peaceful religion and all that. The book, the Quran, teaches violent aggression. There's just no doubt about that. Anybody who would objectively read the Quran would come to that conclusion. To me, that that is one of the the big contrasts between the teachings of Christ and the teachings of Muhammad. Uh, And and if if you want to decide, you know, What's right? I think that's one of the things that you would factor in. Uh, the Quran is definitely teaching violent aggression, and and that's part of the problem. All right, I uh, appreciate those comments. Uh, you shall know them by their fruits. And, exactly. Uh, certainly, we can tell that what uh, their fruits are here. Uh, Don says, "Let them go ahead and do it." As far as re- referring to burning the Bibles, if they are non-Christian. And they are already in danger of God's judgment. So why would God's wrath be any worse just because they burned a pile of ink and paper? If they are Christian, then maybe it would be a good idea in order to make a point that our main concern should be against those within our own faith who are destroying God's word through their false teachings. 
such as the Presbyterian preacher who was your guest a few weeks ago. The same holds true for the Muslims. Instead of getting so upset about the burning of the Koran, why aren't they in the streets protesting the radical Muslims who are doing the real harm to their faith? Good point there. But he is making a good point. There are people today who claim to be Christians who are, in effect, burning the Bible themselves because they fail to submit to it. All right. And then we've got Jim who I think tonight is writing us from Boston, Massachusetts. Jim writes, uh, uh, if someone planned an event to burn Bibles, we should use it as an example of how evil seeks to remove good by destroying it. Yet men cannot destroy the word of God, even if they should seek to burn it. Jesus promised that heaven and earth shall pass away, but his words would not pass away. Okay. All right. So I think you know it's kind of impressive to me that I think all of our comments tonight from all listeners have been right in line. Yeah. That this is this is not the kind of thing that the Lord would have us to do. Uh, we uh, we certainly. But the next question we want to deal with is the question of how do we deal with people that we differ with? Right. What should we do? Uh, our, our third question is what the what's the correct view of religious tolerance and how should we deal with people that we have differences with? And and that uh, we definitely differ with the Muslims. Uh, there's there's no harmony there at all. And it's impossible for us to be in fellowship with those people. We believe they practice and teach error. Uh, but how should we deal with the differences that exist between us? That's the question we need to talk about. All right. We'll take our last break a few minutes early so that we have time to go to the top of the hour to discuss this because this is the meat of the, of the discussion. How do we deal with those we disagree with? Do we tolerate them, say it's okay for you to believe whatever you want? Do you, you can believe in Jesus if you want. You can deny him if you want. Uh, you can believe in um, Muhammad if you want. You can deny him if you want. It doesn't matter. I'm okay. You're okay. Is that the extreme we need to go to? Do we need to go to the extreme as we chop the heads off of those people that we disagree with? Or is the truth somewhere in the middle of that? We hope you'll get in line and give us your comments now at 877-381-4567 or email questions at collegeview.com. We'll go to the top of the hour right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Do you remember when no one would have thought twice about getting the church involved in daycare centers, kindergarten, softball leagues, and youth camps? Are you upset when churches spend more time and money on social programs and recreational activities than on spreading the gospel? Are you tired of seeing congregations with their emphasis in entirely the wrong areas? We're still preaching the same gospel and still practicing the same things that you remember from years ago. We're committed to the idea of speaking where the Bible speaks and being silent where the Bible is silent. Check us out. Please visit soon at the College View Church of Christ. My name is Jack Coleman, a member of the College View Church of Christ. We're glad you're listening to the virtual Bible study, and we hope you'll tell others about the program. We're always open to your feedback concerning topics for discussion and suggestions as how we can make the program more effective. Drop us a line at questions at collegeview.com or call us toll-free at 877-381-4567. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. And welcome back to the virtual Bible study tonight as we... Continue to grapple with uh, the uh, problems, the uh, technical problems, but we're going to re- make the broadcast uh, go tonight one way or the other, and you will be able to hear us in the recording if you can't hear us live tonight. We're glad that you're listening live or in the recorded version. We should remind you, if you're listening to us in the recorded version, we'd love to hear your comments anytime. Send the questions or comments that you would have about our broadcast, any broadcast, 
to questions at collegeview.com, or you can call us anytime at 877-381-4567. We'd love to hear from you. If you have not been to our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com, check it out. You can find out archives of our last uh, five years plus of doing the virtual Bible study. Lots of different topics have been discussed, and uh, you can also find out more about what we believe at the College U Church of Christ. We look forward to hearing from you if you have any questions or comments. Jacob, we as we continue our discussion generated by the planned Koran burning in Florida, uh, we asked the question, and a lot of people have responded, we got some good responses here, to the correct view of religious tolerance, how we should really view religious tolerance. I found a site that I thought gave some interesting distinctions of definition. Uh, uh, religious freedom is defined as the freedom of individuals to believe in, practice, and promote the religion of choice without interference, harassment, or other repercussions, as long as the practices uh, uh, resulting from those beliefs do not break the law. Religious freedom. Religious persecution is the practice of discouraging religious freedom and the freedom to express or promote all or certain religious beliefs with repercussions ranging from discrimination and harassment to prevention and prosecution. Religious intolerance is refusing to acknowledge and support the right of individuals to have their own beliefs and related legitimate practices. Also, the unwillingness to have one's own beliefs and related practices critically evaluated. Religious tolerance is acknowledging and supporting that individuals have the right and freedom to their own beliefs and related legitimate practices without necessarily validating those beliefs and practices. Religious diversity is the concept that society includes and allows for a plurality of religious beliefs, movements, and expressions. And religious pluralism is the theory that there's more than one or two kinds of uh, ultimate reality and or truth and therefore more than one religion can be said to have the truth the, the way to God, salvation and so that forth that would define our society right there the yeah. last definition we live in a pluralistic society All right. Uh, and I don't know if all those definitions are helpful or not but I, but the point that we, one of the points that we've tried to stress all through our discussion tonight is the idea we're not, we're not saying that well let me start that over we we agree and understand that people should be able to do what they choose to do religiously. We're 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 not trying to use some artificial means to hinder or stop them from doing it. There there is such a thing as religious freedom or religious liberty, and we live in a country where that's allowed. and And I think we agree that people should be allowed to do as they choose to do religiously. Uh, and so we should be tolerant in that sense that we should. We should respect their right to do as they choose to do. But the the other idea that we should sign off on it or say that it's okay, that they're right, you're right, I'm right, we're all right, we all can go our own different ways, uh, that is what we cannot do if we believe what the Bible says. We understand that there is religious diversity. We understand that people have a right to do as they choose to do. But we uh, we cannot endorse error and be faithful to the Lord. All right. Uh, here are the question, <laughs> the answers to the question about a religious tolerance. Should we tolerate those? Uh, what's the correct view of, of religious tolerance? James says, what we believe and teach stands on its own merits. We should try to convince others. But if they will not be convinced, there is little further we can do except to set 
the right example for them. Brian in Indiana says, There is one body, Ephesians 4, verse 4, which is the church of Christ, Colossians 1, verse 24. If we then profess religious tolerance in the same sense that the denominational world treats it, then we would be showing God that we do not believe what he has written. We should, however, be tolerant in the same are in the sense that we are not coarse in our behavior towards those who are lost in sin or, or be impatient with them. Instead, we should live peaceably with all men and try to teach the gospel to them like Jesus commanded his disciples to do in 1 Timothy 2, verse 2, and Matthew 28, 20. I think that's right, and I think that's the point that, that uh, Brian's making, the point I was trying to make. We, we can acknowledge that they have a right to do as they please. Uh, we should try to influence them toward the truth using the means that are authorized in the Word of God, not some carnal methodology that might be invented by men. Okay. Uh, Chris in Atlanta, Georgia says, Religious tolerance is loving people where they are, looking and acting upon any opportunity to share the gospel with them and praying for them, not hating, berating, and ugly, acting ugly towards those with differing views. Okay. All right. Uh, Keith says... Uh, what's the right view of religious tolerance? He says perhaps the better question is, what is tolerance? The reaction of some to tolerate by never saying anything negative is actually not tolerance but acquiescence. Okay. I must speak out with the sword of the Spirit, but under no circumstances could or should Christians revert to violence or illegal behavior to try and triumph over the enemies of the cross. I agree. I think that's right. And it does. Uh, it is an indictment against the power of the gospel when we have when we go to the carnal method. You know, uh, the gospel doesn't need us uh, to physically beat up on those we disagree with. The okay. Quran does. I mean, because it's false. It's not from God. But the, the Bible doesn't need uh, that kind of uh, response, okay. or uh, or you know, it doesn't need that uh, that effort. In other words, it doesn't need some kind of artificial propping up by us yep. in addition to what God has instructed us. In exactly. Uh, Mark and Rhonda in Murfreesboro says, uh, what is the correct view of religious tolerance? We are instructed to preach the gospel to all, Mark 16, verse 15. But God himself gave free will. The Bible tells us that most are not going to accept God's word, Matthew 7, 13 through 14. They will suffer the consequences of that choice, but it is a choice. Uh, this is evidenced. Uh, by Jesus' lament in Matthew 13, verse 34, of how much he wanted to save his people, but they were not willing. Even God's chosen people had the option to reject him. Okay. Uh, Dan in Columbia says, uh, as true New Testament Christians, we should not have religious tolerance. I do not mean that we should kill anyone for not being a Christian, but that we should not accept their teachings and opinion. So I think what we're seeing is that you, you can define this idea of tolerance in different ways. If we should tolerance is not the idea that we just, as Keith said, acquiesce. You're okay, I'm okay, we're all different, but everything's okay. We can't do that. But on the other hand, tolerance means we we give. They have that freedom of choice to do that. We we acknowledge that God gave them that choice. Yes, right. God gave them that choice. Okay. He, Dan goes on to say, Galatians five verse eight says. But even if we are an angel from heaven, I think this is Galatians 1, verse 8, but even if we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than that we have preached to you, let him be accursed. If you back up a bit to verses 6 and 7, it talks about turning to a different gospel where there is no other gospel. So basically Dan's saying there is just one truth. and, and, And ultimately, if people are going to be saved, they're going to have to come to that truth. And uh, they have a freedom to do other things, but if they want to be saved, they've got to come to that truth. Anthony in Columbia says, Our nation is founded on the principle of religious freedom. Since we as Christians in America enjoy this religious freedom, we must tolerate those of other religions lest we become hypocrites. If they cannot build mosques or temples or synagogues, 
we might as well be next. But this tolerance is a, of a physical, political nature. Spiritually speaking, we cannot tolerate religious error. We must lovingly teach against it and try our best to teach the gospel of those around us and thereby cause, thereby rescue them from their lost state. That's right. Um, there, uh, he, he mentions there that um, if people can't build mosques, temples, or synagogues, we may be next. In other words, churches might be next. They may not. And and I, I agree with that. That's the idea of political religious freedom. People should have the right to. Now, in regards to building that mosque in that certain location in New York City, there's a constitutional right involved, but then there's also the the. A, a question of propriety, appropriateness, and that's an issue too. And that's uh, that, that's a that's a political question. We're just talking about the spiritual implications here. All right. And Don in uh, in uh, Antioch, Tennessee, says although we should not tolerate their beliefs and teachings, we still have to tolerate their existence and their right to practice their religion as long as it is done within the law. The church in Florida should have been shut down by our government. Uh, and the preacher put in jail for disturbing the peace. Although he was not personally making any threats against non-Muslims, he was still creating a situation that caused threats to be made that could put non-Muslims in real danger, and there should be no tolerance for this type of behavior. All right. And finally, uh, Jim says we should use views which, again, we should use views which oppose the Bible as opportunities to teach the truth. God's word is powerful enough to destroy the works of men. In other words, uh, if we can engage, when we find error, it gives us a chance to teach truth. And so if we can engage people who are willing to be engaged on the question of uh, Islam versus Christianity, then that's an opportunity to teach the truth. Okay. All right. Uh, and, uh, you know, Rhonda and Mark's email got me thinking about this. You know, God gives us the choice uh, to respond to him or not. But I guess if I was a Calvinist and thought God had predestined those who were going to be Muslim or those who were going to be Buddhist or Hindus, I guess I'd have to be very tolerant of them. I'd have to embrace them because they're doing God's will, aren't they? I mean, he wants them to be that way. They had no choice in the matter. I guess I'd have to embrace them and say, that's great that you're doing what God wants you to do, huh? If. I, if I was a Calvinist. Okay. All right. That's the big if there. Yeah. All right. Okay. Okay. Now, what examples from the New Testament, quickly, as we have just a few minutes left, what examples from the New Testament are helping us, helpful in teaching us how to deal with religious I think some, several are coming across the same example. Uh, let's see. This is, this is from James, uh, who says, the apostles disputed with those of differing religious views, such as Paul on Mars Hill. I think a lot of people are going to Paul... You remember the episode in Acts chapter 17, he was in Athens, mm-hmm. he preached a famous sermon on Mars Hill. Here were some people who, this wasn't just a, di- a doctrinal difference between Christians that Paul was dealing with. This was a, a difference, uh, a basic difference of Christianity versus paganism. <clears throat> the people of Athens were completely given over to idol worship. What did Paul do? Did he go and start busting down their idols? Right. Take a sledgehammer and start crushing them into pieces and, and you know, a, a violent demonstration of outrage against those false religious practices? No. He took the opportunity to teach them in, in a very logical and reasonable way. Uh, this is what James says. The apostles disputed with those of differing religious views, such as Paul and Mars Hill and Jesus in the synagogues. We see the New Testament preachers disputing and debate, debating the truth. 
That is how we should approach those who differ. Preaching the truth in love, Ephesians 4.15, the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome. Okay. So I think that's, uh, I think that's exactly right. All Good right. Point. Okay. And uh, Chris in Atlanta, Georgia says, Paul did not, in Acts 17, 16 through 34, Paul did not berate them for their religious beliefs, but he was known for reasoning with others about his faith, which led to an opportunity for him to share the gospel with the men of Athens. Instead of belittling them, he started where they were at spiritually and taught them the truth. As in every group you encounter, some were interested, some sneered, and some believed. We must always remember that when people reject the gospel, they are not rejecting us, so we should not take it personally. Rather, they are rejecting God. This should not stir us up to anger, but to pity and prayer for their soul. It all boils down to Mark twelve thirty-one in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13, love. Okay. Thank you, Chris. All right. And uh, Keith says... Uh, uh, there are numerous examples of rebuke from the Lord to the religious false teachers of his time. But for the most part, these folks, these were folks who were professing to follow the God of heaven. Paul's response in Acts 17 as he was in Athens or his response in Acts 19 at Ephesus are great examples of teaching the truth and disputing with those in, uh, in an area but remembering who we are at the same time. Uh, they, they weren't burning down synagogues. They weren't tearing down pagan altars. But they were teaching those people about their errors. And I think that's, if I was going to summarize that, Jacob, I believe that's setting the tone for what we should do. We should definitely oppose Islam. It's a false religion. But we do not go about it violently or aggressively as they do. I mean, that's their approach, but that's not what the Lord would teach us, and that's not the example set by the early Christians and and by the apostles of our Lord. Okay. And uh, Mark and Rhonda in Murfreesboro, in Acts 19, we have information regarding Paul's time in Ephesus. It is interesting that there is a book burning in this chapter, verse 19, but the burning was done by those people who had been... Who had been converted and had previously professed uh, some sort of use for those books of magic. Those people burned their own books apparently as a demonstration of their repentance. Paul did not take their books before they were converted and burn them to show them how wrong they were. In fact, later in the chapter, Paul and his companions are at great risk of physical harm after a riot ensues because he is accused of somehow endangering the goddess of Diana. City clerk came to their fence in verse 37 stating that they were neither robbers of temples nor blasphemers of their goddess. How different that situation might have been if Paul had been in their temples destroying their statues of Diana, etc. Good point uh, that uh, that is made there. So appreciate exactly that. Right. Exactly right. Dan says uh, uh, Romans sixteen seventeen. Note those that cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. So definitely the false teachers need to be noted, pointed out. We can't ignore their false teaching. And then he says in Titus 1, verse 9, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict. We should be prepared to teach those who contradict. With the gospel with the of gospel. Christ, the power of God to salvation. And, uh, and Anthony says, Aquila and Priscilla with Apollos, Paul and Mars Hills, ascending of the twelve in Matthew 10, verse 5, and following particularly verse 14, uh, Paul and Peter in Galatians chapter 2, verse 1. I think he's referencing there Jesus telling them to dust, uh, shake the dust off yeah, their feet. Yeah, Paul, in the case of Peter, when Peter was teaching air, Paul confronted him to the face. He didn't, But he didn't punch he didn't him in punch the face. Him, yeah. <laughs> but he confronted him, he says, okay. to the face. Okay. All right, Don in Antioch says, besides the example of Jesus, Acts 17 comes to mind when Paul visited Mars Hill. <laughs> That's a popular answer tonight. Yeah. And finally, Jim, in, uh, who's in Boston tonight, said one thought which comes to mind is that of Gamaliel's speech in uh, Acts 5 when the apostles continue to teach about Jesus as the Christ. Gamaliel uh, reminded the Jewish leaders that if their work was uh, of men, they would come to nothing. However, if a work of God, uh, that we cannot stand against it, I think is good advice. That's right. And, and so 
uh, again, I think there's uh, real, real kind of unanimous agreement here that we should that what this pastor, if you want to call him that, in in Florida of this Dove World Outreach Center, mm-hmm. I believe, uh, what he's doing is is uh, obviously a fall uh, a flawed and faulty. Uh, methodology is not true to the word it's not what god would have christians doing it's a carnal thing likely intended to draw the attention that he has received Uh, it is not the kind of thing that god would have his people doing having said that we should oppose false religion uh, and do it in the methods that are described in the word of god we we cannot tolerate or that is to acquiesce to false religion to ignore it to suggest that it's okay. We have to speak out against the error, but we have to do it in the way that the Lord would have us to do. All right. Uh, well, we appreciate uh, you being here tonight, Dad. Thank you for Thanks. your time. Thank you, Jeff, for manning the controls and wrestling with the technical difficulties. Uh, don't see any hair on the floor there, so you did a good job. Appreciate you for that, and we appreciate you for being on the other end. If you have any questions about the things you heard tonight, and likely you may be listening to this in a recorded version when you normally would listen to it live, if thoughts come to mind that you'd like to share, we'd love to hear from you. Send an email to questions at collegeu.com, or you can call and leave a message if uh, you don't get an answer, 877-381-4567. We hope you'll make plans to be back here next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.